Right. Awesome. Cool. Well, welcome, everybody. This is the CG Pro podcast, episode two. Very happy to welcome um, Scott Rosecrantz tonight. Um, he's a good friend of mine, and we've worked together a bunch, mostly at Zoic. Um, Scott is an amazing CG artist, uh, virtual production enthusiast, and virtual production supervisor at Zoic Studios. Um, to really uh, diverse and uh, great generalist. Um, and with that, I will hand it over to uh, to you, Scott, or say welcome to you and um, give you the opportunity to say hi and anything you'd like to say about yourself. Uh, yeah, it's mine now. Podcast is all mine. Is that, that's it. Yeah, you're in control. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Enjoy enjoy the hour. Yeah, get you guys like a like an intro track or something like get some, uh, <laughs> some 80s hair some music, like, get a radio DJ. DJ voice. Yeah, I was no, just thinking about like maybe some kind of boxing intro, you know, having that kind of you, you could yeah. you could come in on camera with a, with a cape mm-hmm. and some a dry ice. Flashy for me. I was, I was like, <laughs> I was going to go with like uh, something self-deprecating, like, you know, the nickelback of CG supervisors or something. <laughs> uh, no, welcome. Uh, thanks for uh, streaming me, uh, I think. Uh, so thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's nice to um, Get the chance to talk and talk about work um because normally i'm working about work you know so uh, <laughs> it's always fun to uh you know peel the lid up and take a peek and uh, look back um look forward look all over the place and um yeah i'm excited to to be here awesome yeah great to have you here thanks for joining us um yeah so why don't we start off uh just tell us a little bit about yourself and your kind of journey in in cg so far Sure. Yeah. And like you said, it, it does involve you. And I, I wanted to mention something, by the way, I will get to that. But I noticed uh, having, you know, interacted with you recently that um, you've got a title in your, uh, in your IMDb that is also in my IMDb that I did not realize that we were both working on at the time. It's uh, Gem and the Holograms. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bit, yeah. You know, the classic, yeah. star-studded classic, you know, top-of-the-line uh, blockbuster film, Gem and the Holograms. Uh, yes, <laughs> that actually kicked uh, Harry Potter off one of our one of our promo images at some point. Or like, yeah, that's the way it should be. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So thank. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been working uh, at Zoic for about 15 years now, it feels like. It's probably close to 14, but it feels, you know, I've been there a long time. Um, and I know that's a, that's a rare-ish kind of thing in the industry these days. A lot of people, um, you know, make a lot of moves and stuff, but um, really enjoyed it. You know, I've enjoyed every, every year. <laughs> uh, I started out there as a intern, actually, in, I think it was 2007. It was 2007. It was an intern at, at um, and rigging. I was just a lonely, hmm. lowly rigger, uh, not even good enough to call like a TD yet, you know. And so um, when I started there, and this is, you know, it, it, it's a series of being lucky, right? Uh, when I started there, it, we, the whole pipeline was moving um, away from Lightwave very slowly uh, towards Maya. So I was one of the first Maya people um, working there and helping to get, you know, well, I wasn't the, one of the first, but I was one of the few um, technical people rigging, doing that type of stuff in Maya and uh, just lucky enough to get to work with some um, really talented animators early on and then uh, became like uh, the go-to TD for rigging and stuff like that as the Maya pipeline sort of grew. 
um, and just kind of kept coming, sticking around, sticking around, and coming back and working on more projects. And so uh, for about five years, though, I feel like I was the only person rigging at Zoic. And then it got, you know, the Maya pipeline exploded to the point where we, you know, were starting to do um, a lot more work. And then th that was also around the same time that a lot of uh, work was headed up to Vancouver and stuff. I didn't want to make the jump or make the switch. So um, well, I had to make a switch. I didn't want to switch cities. So I ended up uh, changing my career path a little bit and um, growing out, you know, the rigging work wasn't always there. So I started doing some lighting work, some effects work, character effects, all that stuff, and just really moving more towards a generalist role. Um, and just it, basically anything I could do to stick around. I like, I really, you know, I enjoyed Zoic and I always have. And, uh, you know, uh, just yeah, anything I could great do. Studio. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, so like I became a generalist working on everything, just doing whatever I could. I would jump from project to project to project, TV commercial, it didn't matter, um, all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, you know, there was, I think there was a, a moment where, again, got lucky. There was a project that came, we had a, uh, to hire a CG supervisor on the fly. It was late, last minute, things didn't go great. Or, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I had the opportunity and the, the chutzpah that got to go to my, uh, you know, supervisor, supervisor and say, or the, the head of production and be like, Hey man, give me a chance. I want to, you know, I could supervise better than what just happened here. So, um, you know, just lucky enough. And they were like, yeah, we'll give you, I took a tiny commercial and supervised that. And it, you know, that was, you know, the rest is history, as they say, and been supervising pretty much ever since CG supervising, mainly the commercial department. Um, Loved it. Love that type of work. I love TV too. And I'm happy to be back working in the virtual production, real time stuff, um, working with television once again, and still doing commercial stuff uh, as well. Um, but yeah, that, that, you know, the past few years have just been um, in the commercial department and kind of hanging out quietly, you know, and, uh, and just, you know, heads up to, to everyone uh, uh, listening and watching here. I know this is on Facebook Live. I am not on Facebook. So if you guys want to reach out and reconnect <laughs> or whatever, um, I, I, I have a Facebook account for this, <laughs> for the Oculus, and that's about it. And uh, so yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn, hit me up on um, Instagram, I believe I can get back into that one day. I've got a new phone and it's gone now. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, you know, the career took a turn like everyone's uh, did last year. I think everyone had a something take a turn at the last year when um, the with the shutdown. You know, we had uh, there's a creative director in the commercial department, Julian uh, Brahmi, who's super talented uh, and a very smart guy. And he had been pushing Unreal um, on Zoic for a while and trying to get us to, to utilize it. And um, he you know, reached out to Epic and we found some classes. Him and I uh, were taking, I think what you could call the alpha program of the, what is now the fellowship. Him and I were taking classes over at Epic. I think we signed up through like some um, Eventbrite website, you know, and we were just kind of, you know, Zoic called them and worked out a deal. And we just went over and took just these random, you know, classes where we're learning the ropes in Unreal. And this was, you know, 2019 or so. And then, um, you know, uh, we, we were start, starting to do more and more and more. And then, you know, the, the shutdown happened and virtual production became a thing. Everyone was really into it. You know, the, the, the show that we all know came out and um, I'm trying to get, I'm going to try to get all the way through this without even mentioning that, by the way, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to say it out loud. 
but no, uh, and so it was, it was jump right in head first, you know, everybody, you know, do everything you can to learn as much about this as fast as possible. And then I had the, again, lucky advantage of getting a head start, an early start. And by, you know, four to five months have already been working in it and stuff. People were looking to Julian and I to answer the questions of how do we do this and how does this work? And so um, we just kind of pivoted from the CG supervisor into full-time real-time supervisor. And then, you know, uh, and so we were working in Unreal, doing a lot of, you know, just a bit like previous style stuff. And then again, got lucky. We, we Zoic, um, teamed up with a uh, company to get a uh, LED wall and we ended up doing, uh, we were doing some testing and stuff and reached out, uh, got contacted by an ad agency to do a, um, a shoot, a virtual production shoot, a commercial uh, shoot. And it went, uh, it was extremely stressful, fly by the seat of your pants, you know, trial by fire, but it was great. It worked out beautifully. Like it was, um, it was a lot of fun and uh, it was it was a lot of work it was a lot of stress a lot of learning curves and stuff and it, you know wish you could do it again because there's so much that we know now and there's it's improved i mean just in the year since we've been doing it the the, the technology like the, the all the attention it's been getting has kind of pushed the tech so far that it's now it's like things that took us an entire day to set up or like click of a button so yeah. you know be happy to get back out there and uh and then do it again but it, yeah so um i think that kind of leads us into uh you know you know we wanted to talk about a little bit about um you know virtual production and less about me right like i don't yeah <laughs> no I, I think it's a, it's a great um way to get into it though because this, this all of this stuff is a very human story and for this there's probably going to be people watching this who are really interested in virtual production but also curious about how could they get into it and um what you know what knowing about someone else's path i think is definitely for me for me getting into cg in the first place um a, a lot of it was about that it was about meeting real people and hearing real stories about what their their journey was so i think you know a lot of the things that you've shared already are uh, there's probably people in this audience who are at the beginning of their careers and really interested in hearing about how you broke into it and understanding that that journey of of going in as an intern um with the not a guarantee but the chance that it may lead to something and then but but the story of how and, it, and there's there's echoes of my own path in there as well where there was moments of kind of definite uncertainty and risk and like stepping up to the plate where it was maybe slightly ahead of where i was but just just reasonable enough and then it was like mm -hmm. okay now you're in to this bit and then you can yeah. kind of season and take a hold and it was a, a series of for me as well a series of those kind of <clears throat> jumps leaps of faith and mm -hmm. um and courage uh, uh, but lots of hard work and um surrounding yourself with the right people and i think it's, it was really uh really great to to reinforce that for for anybody because there's always even if you're already in there's always more steps to go and um, ambition and place things that you want to accomplish and just to remember that it's all about those those moments of kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and risky like not to being totally sure of where you are but then like and something takes hold and you get a spark of of in interest about something and that's that's sounds like you know it's been multiple steps for you as it yeah. has been for me yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's that's thank you for bringing that up. That's a good point. I mean, you know, 
I, I and I tell my students this all, at Nomen all the time um, is that you know there there's there had been it's it's been broken down since but there had been this this mythos of like the the supervisors coming from a specific background of like lighting or you know uh, comp you know it's a it's a natural progression into those sort of supervisory roles and stuff but rigging you know like going from like a rigging background to you know, CG supervisor, even on set VFX stuff, you know, and it's, it was a weird trajectory, but it, there is no wrong path, you know, there's no, no wrong way to go about it. So yeah, there was a moment, uh, like you, you were mentioning the, the possible diversions and stuff. There was a moment when I would, you know, as a TD was faced with the choice of like growing into more of a generalist role or just buckling down and, and diving headfirst into the Python stuff and just going full TD and, you know, getting, getting super, uh, we'd be having a completely different conversation here today, you know, but I, I yeah. really enjoyed, I think it, it all came down to, um, it, and it wasn't a, it wasn't like a career, it didn't feel like a career choice or a money choice or anything like that. It was like an interest choice. You know, I was like, yeah. I, I'm more interested in learning how the entire CG pipeline goes. Cause I, you know, I was, that was back when I was still starting to understand CG, like as a whole of like, you know, this is really the, the, you break any given object and, you know, into its core elements and replicate it in, in, you know, inside a computer. And so it's like, that uh, was like super interesting to me. And, uh, and it was branching out from like breaking down how things move and how things animate and deform and things like that and replicating that. I felt I had a firm grasp on that. Grasp on that. I wanted to now take you know do the lighting side of things or the effects side of things and learn that kind of you know uh, just just break things down and can take a look at the whole the whole world through a different lens. You know. Yeah, it's it's an amazing um, career to be in. I think because you get to everything that you have to replicate, you have to study and understand, you know, yeah. and getting getting to know like how hummingbird wings work or just really obscure things like that or engines or whatever it is. You have to it's really, so really understand wild. the world. Yeah. It's so wild the amount of random stuff that we know so much about given the projects that you work on. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like it could be anything any given day. You know, like I I, I know a ton of uh, of stuff about the Bible, even though having gone to a <laughs> private Catholic school, I mean, there was a job a few years ago we did with, uh, uh, it was a lot of Bible references and we had to go through that whole thing. I was like, oh yeah, this is vaguely familiar. <laughs> but yeah. I think, was that the one we worked on together? I, I believe we, the you big were there screen. for that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. Which kind of counted as virtual production. I mean, it was a, like, <laughs> it's yeah. in the realm, you know, it was, yeah. you know, it was, uh, God, I want to say it was five or six 8K projector screens all stitched together. So our final delivery was like an 11K by 3K quick time, which was just insane. Um, but yeah, that was that was a fun one. That was an installation. Um, but yeah, it was, the, and it was, you know, it was stylized, it was cell shaded. It was just, it was wild at the time. And, per, and like, had we been in Unreal Engine already, it would have been perfectly like ripe for that. You know, it's a, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. So, I mean, I did want to talk, I want to get into away from, you know, the topic of me and us or whatever, but like start talking a bit about the virtual production and stuff. And then, you know, I, I know that's a hot topic on, on everybody's um, minds, on everybody's tongues. Um, but yeah. yeah, like I did want to touch on a little bit like the history, right? Because we, you know, we had talked about how like, um, and Zoic has a, like a, a, a rich and storied past with virtual production and you know, we had touched on briefly how like it's it's this it's not new, 
right? Like it's it's the hot you know topic recently, and people are very interested in it, and that's amazing. And we're you know excited about it, and um, yeah. that's great. But in, at risk of it becoming like flavor of the month, you know, like we we just want uh, people to understand that it's a tool. It always has been a tool, and it will continue to be a tool. And that tool is going to evolve, right? And and um, so yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, and like you know, just kind of dive into the history. Um, you know, uh, of, that Zoic has with virtual production and just kind of, you know, give a brief overview of that. And, um, awesome. Yeah. You know, to like, I th and I think it, it probably started way before then, but it was, it was really the once upon a time, uh, saga where it kind of exploded. And this has been like 10 years now, like once upon a time was 2011, you know, and this, it was a, um, I worked on that one too. <laughs> yeah. I did so I, I you can't you couldn't most have been people there, so, yeah you couldn't <laughs> have been there at some point without having worked on that that one that one got everybody yeah. um but it was it was really cool and it was really fun and and it was challenging and that but the, the the stuff that broke through like the amount of shots that we were able to push through in three weeks was just insanity you know like forget quality forget story like just the show as an experience it's just like it's it was crazy it was awesome um, but yeah, like it, it was, you know, we were doing what we're doing now on, you know, LED walls, just with um, diff, just the same tech, just a little bit different, you know, as it was, I want to say it was 10 years ago, we were using a, it was a live green screen, um, you know, replacements. And, uh, and the only people, the only difference I think now um, that, that people have the LED walls is that the actors can now see the screen in the world and be entrenched in it as well but the as far as like directors and then you know production and art department and all that stuff they had a clear window into the the world of once upon a time even though they were on a giant green screen stage because um we had a uh light craft system um which i think is still around actually i think it's it's not you know stagecraft is ilm's thing this is Lightcraft, which was the the prime driver for what was called Zeus, um, the Zoic. Yep. Uh, shit, I'm gonna botch the name now that I'm on. <laughs> but uh, it was it was the live. You know, it's called Zeus, and it was it, it was it had a um a very old school primitive. I you know I I want to say groundbreaking, but the tracking system it was um actually printed out. We had markers like giant you know printed on paper, and we would you know literally glue them to pieces of cardboard and put them throughout the ceiling. And then we had the, you know, the little camera tracker on our camera that knew exactly where it was um, throughout the space. And nowadays you've got the Mosis and Stipe and OptiTrack, all this other stuff that like, it works in exactly the same way. It's just, you don't have giant, you know, uh, cue readers that like, you know, sitting on the, on the ceiling yeah. there, you've got little, these little trackers. And so it's just evolved, you know, same to well, I guess the, uh, the vanishing point <clears throat> kind of has that, or at least with the calibration at the beginning mm -hmm. anyway kind of start right. off registering it with one of those QR code type things yeah. and then go from there. Yeah. 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 And, and, <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, that was like the camera tracking solution. And then, um, uh, we had a, uh, there was a proprietary think gaming engine It was based off unity, but it wasn't necessarily unity. And, um, and it, it was, you know, and this was before the days of like, uh, you know, before the days of, real-time engines in television right or, or you know too much of the um i don't know too many productions uh, that we're doing it in for features but it's possible uh, i'm just you know like i said i've been in a bubble my whole career so working in television um we have these quick turnarounds you know so uh yeah there there was 
the, the engine was loaded or the, the sets were loaded through the engine into an iPad and displayed on monitors and displayed in the camera and stuff. And so there was real time keying happening. And when you looked on set and you could actually just, you know, same as you can do with the LED walls. Now you can design your shot. You can change things around You can change. You couldn't change the lighting because that was like, it was such a long time ago. We had to actually bake the lighting in to get the optimization and the performance. in. so it was, you know, the, the textures and lighting, everything was baked. And as much as we could projection map things onto primitive objects, that's what we did, you know, but it, as long as we got that story across so that you can, you know, turn the camera on, aim it at an actor on a green screen stage and you get the the set uh, in live behind it. That was, you know, what it, what it was all about really. And, uh, and so that would, we would record that and send it uh, off to editorial right away. You just like we're doing now with the virtual production stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we would, we had a truck and trailer system set up eventually. It took a while to get there, but we had a truck and trailer system set up where the tracking was the camera data that was recorded from straight from camera would go through compositing, uh, rendering out the, you know, rendering out the sets and push it through compositing. So where like we could, literally go from you know a, a shot that was recorded on set push it through the tracking department which the tracking data was mostly there just needed some cleanup and then push the renders out and then push the comp out and barely any artists had to touch most of that stuff but that that's how we got through you know delivering 300 plus shots in a three-week time turnaround for to get this show out the door um, and without that that sort of setup and and credit to uh, I think it was Mike Romy designed and developed most of the pipeline at Zoic back at those days. And he was an incredibly talented superstar brain power. Like he's been a, a Disney Imagineer and NVIDIA since then. I mean, he's just like, he's out there making all of our lives better. Um, but yeah. yeah, credit, huge credit to him back in those days for, for setting a lot of that stuff up and de developing a lot of that workflow. Um, and, and it's, we're all still kind of, you know, just working from an evolution of what he was doing all those years ago, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was I was there through that, through some of that anyway. I was kind of coming in and out as a freelancer, but um, I hadn't really thought of it in that way before. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, it was way way before any of this. Any uh, definitely it didn't exist in Unreal, and even before that, and early earlier experiments through other engines it was it was very pioneering and yeah really really i think important to to remember that and remember that going back to other um other experiments that people have done like even in lord of the rings going back to early vcam work and this this basically the the takeaway is that this is not new that this has been around for a while that it's evolving and that there's been some massive leaps forward in terms of the technology like um some of the things i've got have been been lucky to work on like lion king and a general book and those kinds of things but um but it mm -hmm. uh, and then the uh the whatever digital equivalent of macbeth that we're not allowed to mention that show <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's become don't say macbeth you can't say that you can't say that now um but yeah that the the uh those things have pushed it and, and i think the amazing thing that that is in existence now is that you know this stuff is accessible to everybody it's not you don't have to have a big team of engineers and a studio to pull this off you can actually it's actually in people's hands like people could anyone could download unreal and benefit from mm -hmm. like now it has a home for everyone which is, i think is the really big difference now 
Yeah. And keyword being home. I mean, you're like, it's I'm at home and I can get into Unreal. I can put on the VR headset. I can call up Julian or any one of the other artists. We can call up the scene and we can get in there and we can block out cameras and VR and stuff. And it's insane. It's the same process. The stuff that you were doing with John Verver on that Macbeth show. No. <laughs> uh, but the same stuff you were doing for Lion King, you know, like what I can do in my living room now. It's insane. You know, so yeah. like the, the, the tools and the technology are always going to advance, but the, it's, you know, the workflow. And then this, like you, I've listened to your last podcast the story. The story is the thing that drives it, you know? So like, cool. I, yeah. it's, it's great to have, you know, uh, the, the tools are great, but, but good frames can't save bad paintings. Right. I always, I say that, yeah. sort of, like I say that all the time. It's that you've got to have a good product and, and you got, and you got to love it. You know, you got to, you got to really enjoy what you're doing. And, and that's, that's, you know, all of this, that learning Unreal, working in virtual production, um, and, and which we'll talk about the scope of what that actually means in a minute, but like, that's really given me a, a new sort of surge and energy and excitement. And like, I feel like it's, you know, it's crazy because like, we all go through lulls and we all go through spurts and fits and spurts of energy and stuff. And uh, like it, it, I don't know. I felt like when I was a young, when I was a young child, <laughs> when I went to school though, it was, you, you know, you're sold on all this, like how cool working in the industry is and how cool all the tech is. And look at all these movies. It was Spider-Man was just came out when I was in college, you know? And it was like, look how cool Spider-Man is and all this cool shit that Sony's doing. And it's like, yeah. And you think it's it's going to be a certain way when you get into it. And then, you know, the reality sets in of like, oh, there's pipeline, there's workflow, there's, you know, there's rules, there's standards, and that it all has to exist. Don't get me wrong. And there's a good reason for it, you know, and even like the smallest studios need some sort of, of, of you know, standards and regulations and rules and things like that, where there will not survive because there'll just be chaos. But you know, a lot of that can tend to, um, you know, create repetition and and just kind of have, you know, can, not to any fault of the pipeline, but it can suck a little bit of the fun out of it. And this has given it a resurgence of like, oh, I can get in here and and I'm a previs artist, or, but I can change the lighting. I can fuck, you know, I can do all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's not, um, you know, it's not as regimented where it's like, all right, step A is done. It goes to step B now, like in step B artists step in and do their thing. And it's like, it's, we are all sort of becoming more generalist. I think, I hope, I don't know. I'm enjoying, right. I, like I said earlier, I enjoyed the, the evolution into being a generalist and I enjoy touching every bit of, uh, you know, the CG process. And so this is kind of re given me that resurgence. If you're not a generalist or if you don't, you know, maybe if you just want to do lighting and that's it, that's great. Uh, maybe this is not for me, you know, but there, I have met people that are like, they are like, I love lighting in Unreal. I love, and that's all I want to do. And that's great too. And so there will, I think probably eventually be places that have a pipeline that is back to the, you know, all right, so we've got a, a, a clear delineation of tasks and, you know, everyone's going to be doing their specific role. Um, Right now, though, it's a bit of like everybody get in the pool. This is it's time to party, you know. So, right, uh, yeah. Which is which is where all of this began as well. In in most of the studios that that are now have gone more towards specialisms and more of a kind of pipeline or production line of approach, which is as you said necessary. Um, they kind of started off more as pirate ships, and some of them literally called themselves pirates. Uh, but like that kind of idea that um get yeah, you're a smaller team you're 
all involved you're all able to kind of be in that kind of small group innovation r d kind of space which was definitely what it was like on lion king and we didn't really figure out how to make the move until it was made until it was done you know by, by the end of it we felt like we kind of knew what was going on but yeah. um it's a, a wonderful um time to be in that mode as you said it may evolve and change but um maybe that's a good point to sort of talk about some of the things that um you think make for good um policies i know that actually to mention that you guys are hiring zoic is hiring uh, yes. at the moment so okay. like oh, a plug a plug for zoic yeah there. thanks, uh, thanks for anyone's the plug. very very and happy to i like i like to connect people but um yeah, yeah. if you if you have a sort of any thoughts on what makes good for good um skills to get into this or how how people might approach getting into this kind of thing today yeah and i mean uh, thank you for the i don't want to make it seem like i'm a i'm a shill i i really do like love the job that i have and and you know it's <laughs> i have you don't stay 15 years in one place if you're not happy you know and so like and, and so it is yeah. one of those places where and it's the i know that that you know it's it's that uh it's a a red button kind of thing of like to say that you know, to use the word family but it does really have that sort of feel to it and and you know I, I love the people i work with and there's been a lot of people that not just me that have been there for as long as i have too so it it, it and i don't know i've heard from people like you and other other people i i wouldn't know just being on the inside but kind of you know the outside perspective they're like it is a little different they're like it is yeah it, yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely felt that way. And I've, I really enjoyed Yeah, you're welcome. I, I've definitely enjoyed all of the time I've spent there. So it can work, got to work on some really cool and fun and innovative projects. And they have that spirit of wanting to try something new, wanting to explore and experiment. And, you know, I think that comes from the leadership and in valuing creative and, and technological um, exploration, which, which uh, it's easy to kind of move away from when you start finding a thing that works and you know get really stuck into that and just do that over and over but probably a testament to why it's a great place to work and also why it's been successful is that it does have that edge and, and wants to keep exploring which I, yeah you know, people who don't do that don't tend to do as well even you know individuals that don't do that and it yeah so anyway sorry and, and no yeah it's a, and it's the and a lot of it comes from the artists like i said julian was one of the ones pushing for unreal early early on and we, they were responsive they were listening to it so it's mm. a good, you know um but yeah but and i do want to touch on like sort of the you know the some of the the tips and techniques to kind of break in or if you you know whatever but uh before i do that i, I want to more broadly define like what we're uh calling virtual production because i don't think it's yeah fully clear all the time for everybody and, and everyone's got their own sort of definition and we kind of uh, we broaden our umbrella a little bit just because of our vast history with it um and and so there is you know and julian and i are we give this talk uh fairly regularly because we're talking to you know lots of other companies and stuff but it's um it it's the it's what we all know right um it's the the led walls the virtual production that it's been defined very recently very rapidly uh and and it's very cool um there is that uh, portion of the umbrella and we have some experience in that we're looking to get more experience in that uh and and we're looking to do more work in that we also you know do there's the there's the live broadcasts thing that can fall under virtual production that's the you know weatherman style stuff there's lots of um there's still lots of opportunities to work in that industry there's you know lots of 
like every bit of live sports and you know tons of tons of broadcast opportunities out there so there then that's all you know virtual production um there's also uh what you know a lot of places are still calling previs uh we are trying we started out calling it previs but it didn't feel like it, it, big enough of a term right because you know previs has traditionally been one thing and this is definitely not that um and it's so it's it's previs it's tech viz it's virtual scouting it's uh sitting down with production and and teaming up you know it's, and, and that's why we're calling that side of work virtual production because it's making us feel more ingrained with production you, you know we're we're all at home still and that's you know we have no timetable for coming back to the office it's been working out beautifully we're all more efficient and um we're all really enjoying working from home and so we're we're gonna you know as long as we can i think keep keep this up and um you know who knows what's gonna happen maybe we'll be back in office soon i don't know but uh for now at least you know we're we're have i i think it's an advantage actually you know because we're, we're able as the post-production company to get in early earlier than we were at least you know from my perspective with the um, production team and you know because it is we're we're tech scouting we're doing all this stuff uh so to us that's also virtual production you know because we are in in the production side of things very early on like what we'll do is we'll get an early draft of the script maybe we'll get an opportunity to talk to a producer or art department or anybody you know director sometimes before um going in uh and building out a scene or a set but we'll go into the we'll call up the engine and with whatever information we have we'll put you know a scene together a level and sub levels do some lighting uh and we'll get we'll creative direction from you know either one of the creative directors the um uh supervisors whoever is involved with that project and we'll we'll block out like a sequence of cameras you know we'll get lens information from production if we can uh and then we'll sort of kind of craft what our vision of this scene or this show is going to be and then we'll get on a, a zoom call with the production team uh you know and this could be directors it could be producers the art department it could be anybody dp you know and, and and as many we enjoy as many people as we can get into there and then we'll go through a process of like our blocking out this the shot you know and then it can work as tech biz sometimes we'll have stunt guys in there saying hey how far away is you know this car to that side of the bridge or whatever so we know how much rope that we need to run when we're in our green screen shoot you know we'll, we'll bring in we've actually we've done this on uh superman and lois we scanned the green screen stage right and so the opposite of you know the virtual production we were doing 10 years ago where we're putting uh you know uh, virtual environments in on a green screen wall we're now putting green screen stages inside of our virtual scenes right but it helps us block things out we can line up different cameras with the directors and say okay technically if we wanted to shoot you know a reverse of this we need to kind of move this car you know whatever it is they need to do um so bringing in lidar has been super super helpful and then we'll we'll go through and we'll block out a scene and direct you know there's been times i've gotten on with a director and they're like oh whoa this is completely wrong we don't ever take the camera outside we're only inside the apartment you know and it just changes the whole thing but it's great to get that information right away like we don't have to go two rounds of previs before someone says hey wait this is completely wrong right we get it you know before we even start previs right and and so the iteration has cut down on time it's allowing production to be faster um it's allowing you know everyone to be more and and then 
it it really like it, it ups the trust value you know it's a lot of these these um productions they you know they're they're busy doing production right and and so when it's done it's wrapped they they shoot it off to as many vendors as they can or have to or whatever and then they call it a day you know and now it's like they know us they trust us and they know you know having been on the phone with us so early and then and, and gone through the process of blocking out the entire scene they know with confidence that it's going to come back version one version two looking almost as good as it needs to and there's the you know it really has streamlined everything from the beginning to the end of the process and it's and it's it's awesome because it's uh, it's helping to push the engine further in integrated into our pipeline even further because you know uh it is it is such an awesome tool and so it's not just you know virtual production on the led wall it's it's like in my mind it's hope it's hopefully going to be taking over the pipeline you know it's it's going to be production soon it's going to be uh and we'll see you know there's always a need for traditional you know effects and um, but I, I'm really in, I've been surprised at the speed at which we've been able to get it, um, it integrated into our pipeline as far as we have, you know, it, I, I really was thinking like, cool, I'm going to do previs for the next couple of years and that's it. And it's like really quickly, it was like, no, we're not just doing previs here. We're doing final pixels. We're doing background renders. We're doing, uh, you know, pulling in green screen, pulling keys and running plates through the engine and doing temps for um editorial and things like that and then so it's it's awesome the amount of work and pretty much everything we could throw at the engine it's like you know okay it's not you know uh fully fleshed out because it's a game engine it wasn't designed for this but hey they're they're paying attention that and epic's been such an amazing partner you know in all of this because they listen they pay attention and they've got people dedicated to us they've got people dedicated to the integration of visual effects as a whole you know they're they're paying attention and they're responsive and it's awesome um so yeah that's i don't know i i'm getting yeah. off rack and you're just starting to like uh glow about everybody gosh but... yeah, no <laughs> <Yeah>. it's great <laughs> i think i feel the same way as you know that like definitely had some sort of you know crazy beginning to my career just so much energy and excitement and then some times where it sort of leveled off a little bit and gone up again and this is an another time where it's really kicked up and, and if a lot of people i talk to um in the industry feel the same way about this new well sort of evolved tool set and this time because it wasn't really possible to do all of this before and then you know where you would be able to do some of it like you were saying with the the early versions of this that so we're involved in now now it's possible uh to to up the quality you know even what we did on the lion king now what you can do now is way better um, in terms of lighting and fidelity of everything you know it's just getting more and more and more um being able to allow all the filmmakers in to make those decisions all of the people that used to be sort of excluded from that conversation or it was very abstract before they wouldn't be able to be in there and get stuck in now they can actually you can ship a headset to a client and have them be in there for a scout that's mm -hmm. there's something kind of amazing about that yeah. being able to play and and play together it's kind of like brought a lot of fun back back to that process where it did get a bit stuck and formulaic now the, the funds kind of come back into it again was that yeah how i see it yeah and i guess the greater takeaway for me it's you know like i we were talking about defining virtual production it's it's you know it's becoming production it's you yeah. know and that's the thing it's like virtual production is not 
just shooting an, an LED wall with tracking systems. It is becoming production. It's how it's becoming how we work and how, you know, because it's 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 evolving. It's that you know, and the the, the productions are are waking up to it. They're embracing it wholeheartedly. You know, another shout out in more gushing coming, but the the <laughs> The team at Superman and Lois have been, you know, they from day one, they were like, this is awesome. This is how everything should work. You know, this is, we love doing this. And, and uh, it, it has really benefited that show greatly, immensely. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's working. Yes. It it's is. not just a, a cool trick. And, it's and actually would, genuinely working. Yeah. And if you were to ask, like, advice to people looking to get into it, I mean, it's just really, like, keep, keep doing what you're doing if you're if you're don't know anything about cg you know pick a pick a career path or pick a something that you're interested in if it's things moving or uh if you're you know into sculpting or drawing and things like that you know however you get in or you know whatever your your interests are stick with that because it's you know i i started out uh, i had to learn a little bit of lightwave just because of like you know the, that was the tool that everyone was using at the studio i started working at but i i was trained in maya you know and and had a long uh, career on that software, but I learned more things, more softwares, mostly plugins over the years. And, you know, you learn how, you know, to utilize uh, different things, but always came back to Maya. Um, and, and now it feels like it doesn't really matter what software you, you can use Blender, you can use Houdini. There's like, we, I took Houdini classes back in 2004, 2003 and stuff. And it was just really, I was way too complicated for me. And now it's like, I've come back to Houdini recently. And it's like, oh, I don't remember it being this easy and this awesome, you know? <laughs> like, right. Uh, so like, you know, uh, the software will always, you know, evolve and always get better. The hardware uh, will always get better. And, and it, so it's, it's get into what you're into. Uh, do what you're going to do. Just kind of uh, my thing would just, you're never going to stop learning, you know, like uh, le learning unreal was not uh, the, the hugest, um, you know, it didn't have the biggest uh, curve learning curve for me. It, it, it can be, you know, a learning, but the, the process is the thing that I, you know, that will never change. Right. And this is something I tell like uh, my students when I teach um, uh, dynamics at, at Noman, I'm talking about, I teach N-cloth and they're like, well, isn't, you know, Marvelous Designer better? I was like, yeah, but it works on the same fundamental properties as N-cloth. And the only difference between N-cloth and Marvelous Designer is that N-cloth exposes all of those attributes and allows you to noodle it. And you can use it for so much more than just cloth. Marvelous Designer does a damn good job. All it does is cloth. And so they lock a lot of those attributes to you because they don't want you tweaking that stuff because it will break the cloth, you know? So like, Properties, the fundamental, you know, uh, way that things work, that, that the world works, are not going to change, you know. So, people have are smart people that make these smart programs. They they have figured out how things work, and they have given you the tools that you need, uh, like you know, whether it's Bifrost or Niagara or Houdini, whatever it is. They've you know the the fundamental processes have been figured out. And, and those are going to be, you know, and there's tutorials out there that'll show you how to do it. So you can do pretty much anything with enough time, practice and failing, you know, uh, and then, and it's really just, if, you, if you're going to be happy in the industry, you got to do what you want to do, you know, just right. find out what makes you happy. And that's really just about trying a bunch of different things, you know, try it and fail, try it and fail. Right. Yeah. Note, <clears throat> notice what, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, notice what speaks to you, right? notice what what's calling you to it 
because it's yeah. different for all of us. Some people love mm-hmm. doing, I don't know, whatever it is, accounting or looking after people in the hospital. Like <clears throat> there's different things that call to people, but you're never going to experience that that spark of what's really, really calling you to it without trying a lot of stuff. I say exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Try, experiment. It's a great advice. Um yeah, so um wondering if there's anything you can talk about. I don't know, there's probably things that you can't talk about. <clears throat> Drinking water, that's a good idea. Yeah, totally. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for reminding me. Um, is there anything that you uh can talk about to do with um uh any favorite projects that you've you've worked on though you've mentioned um Superman, any any that really stuck out to you like uh virtual production wise? Well, yeah, I mean, there was the, um, uh, the, they've all been unique and awesome and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've all presented a new, uh, challenge and it's, it's, that's always, it's always fun. And I, I could probably say that about every project. There's not been one that I'm just yeah. like, I know exactly how to do this. I could do it with my eyes closed and hands, one hand tied behind my back, you know? So, um, but no, the, uh, the, I think the, the coolest thing that we were able to do last year and again credit to epic for allowing this to happen the uh was the mega grant you know and that was yeah. uh it, it, our mega grant was the the whole like thesis behind it was to integrate the engine into our pipeline um and what that meant was you know a lot of tool building a lot of uh, uh documentation we have like the sickest sharepoint bro like <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of information that got transcribed over those days but the other thing and we're bringing it back to people and and uh, you know shared experiences it was we we used a lot of it to train up as many people as we could we were trying to keep people off of furlough during the shutdown you know and keep as many people employed and around as possible when production was shut down all over the world and um, it, it really allowed us to facilitate like uh, the learning, you know, and, and that that it really helped us now. And, it, you know, it, you, there's an argument to say, well, that's not, you know, directly pipeline. It is because people are pipeline. There are there is no pipeline without the user to use it. Right. So um, we have a workflow now for doing, you know, effects and, and Niagara and stuff and we Houdini into the engine. Uh, we have a workflow now for doing uh, 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 scanning, digital scanning and LIDAR and things like that. And that's very well documented. And we have, you know, tools to support it. And we have the people with the knowledge base um, that, that, you know, went into kind of making that and seeing everybody just say, all right, you know, our normal production lives are done for a little bit. We're in, we, nobody knew how long it was going to last, how long we we're going to be shut down, you know? And so uh, it, it was like, what every, literally everybody was trying something new and it was just cool to see the excitement and the energy of a chat room of 60 people with everyone posting tutorials and like, you know, uh, and tips and tricks and like, Hey, I found this. Oh, and like, look, there's another way to control exposure. And that's like, how many damn ways can we control exposure in this program? You know? Uh, and lots, and lots <laughs> is the answer, but like, you know, just the excitement and, and not, you know, yes, the tools are awesome. The pipeline is awesome. It's great that we're now using it in almost every facet of our pipeline, but just the energy that, that brought I, the people that I have never worked with and that have, I've worked at, at Zoic for 15 years. They've worked at Zoic Vancouver for the, you know, six, seven, 10, however many years. And, and people in our New York office and stuff where we, we work 
together enough like we're on projects where we're sharing um files and things like that and we have you know people that work on shows in both uh both places but this really was like i mean all the walls were down and everyone was in the same party we were you know like we were just there i was talking to people and hanging out with people i've made so many new connections i've made old connections people that i you know used to work with and and that had moved to Vancouver and I haven't seen them in years and been working with them every day and rediscovered these old relationships. It was awesome. So that one, I mean, whatever the work that came out of that looked like, it it wasn't about that. It was about the, you know, the the experience of that project, you know. So that was a fun one. It stood out to me. Awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Congrats again on that. It's great, great piece of work. Um so how do you feel like um, this is kind of influencing the overall <clears throat> or virtual production is influencing the, the overall world of visual effects from your perspective, like how it's kind of creeping out? You've mentioned how it, it's affecting some of the things that were in the domain of, of visual effects from previous all the way through to final pixels. But like, does it, is it influencing um, any more of the like, is it creeping onto other people's desks? Is it affecting some of the ways that things were done traditionally and changing them? Yeah, well, I mean, the interest is certainly there. And then, and, and like, <laughs> when one, you know, now that production's back and back in full swing, uh, <laughs> overswinging, and we're just, it's really, really <laughs> busy. Up. And yeah, it's, there's definitely a rubber band effect going on. Um, it, it's, there's, it's hard to get people to the time to uh, sandbox as much uh, as when we were completely shut down. So, uh, you know, though we, we go back to our old ways a little bit, but yeah, the interest is definitely there. And when the opportunity presents itself, we are pushing and R and Ding and sandboxing, uh, and, you know, into the engine and, and, you know, so yeah, the, the real, when you say virtual production, I mean, we're really talking like the real time stuff. And so, um, you know the real timeness of it all. Uh, it, it has the potential to uh, transform, you know, traditional workflows and upset traditional workflows, and and it won't completely replace it. No, um, uh, but I don't think that's the point. It's it's yeah. you know again, it, yeah, everything's an evolution, right? We're we're trying to push the entire uh, thing forward. So, you know, uh, I mean, if 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 all it does is make it so that we never see a gray shaded animation play blast again, you know, that's enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it is, it is really pushing everything a little bit forward, you know, and then so, um, and uh, there will be a day, you know, and I guess this is, we can kind of like, if you're asking me to kind of predict the future and kind of interject like your, yes. or see, see where Who's we're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I I, I want to see, and we, I, you know, with the the evolution of things, I think uh, we can only get faster. We can only like we're already at, at a point with you know visual effects where there's almost nothing that can't be visualized uh, and visualized greatly and amazingly. It's just going to get faster. It's going to get better. Um, and and I have a prediction in that that that. I, I want to make really quick is it is that i think and this you heard it here first everyone yes it's a it's a far off thing but like there because when we talked about this earlier where like it's the analysis of real world things real world like events or how things are put together and how things are uh, operate and fundamental like properties of of stuff 
there's gonna be a day where the technology or in uh, the in the you know the just the brains behind figuring out how to make it in CG, there, I feel like there's got to be a discovery that gets made by an artist as opposed to a scientist. And we're informing yeah. science, you know, and I, I feel like that's, that's got to be inevitable in maybe not, you know, this year, next year or whatever, but like, it's getting like, you know, it's to the point where it's that good. You know, there's so much good effects out there. We're like, the, if you look back 10, 15 years ago, we were just figuring out how to replicate like humans. And that took, it was not great at first. <laughs> so, and yeah. Now we've, we've done that and, and still so, challenging. But yeah, still, absolutely. But there are some companies that are just amazing at it and yeah. getting specialized better and better every year. And this technology is helping push that forward. And, and, you know, their tech, their proprietary technologies are helping push that forward. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be, it'd be really cool to see that headline one day where they say, you know, VFX artist discovers this about, you know, something about in, the world. That's yeah, what exactly. you mean, yeah. Like it, it sort of always thought about science fiction in in that kind of way, like how uh, basically in that case an artist would invent something, and then scientists would think that that was cool, and then spend the next twenty years trying to create yeah. that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it may not have existed if it hadn't have been for an artist in the first place, dreaming and imagining what's possible, without thinking of the the limits of the the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, as it as it relates to like the more near future type stuff is, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I would like to try to get into uh, once we get back onto a, a, a virtual production stage is incorporating, um, you know, uh, live action CG characters into into the wall, right, and, and into into a volume, right, and I and I know the technology the technology for this was there ten years ago when we were working on that Lifecraft system. I remember doing a test with Mike Romy where I had an animated character. Uh, FBX is just playing sort of on a loop uh, in in the green screen stage environment, and we could kind of place them in there and put them, you know, uh, near like our live action actors and things like that. It was a lot of work. It was kind of clunky, didn't work great. So ultimately, you know, on these fast turnaround productions, we decided to bail on that. Um, but that, I mean, shit, we were doing that ten years ago, and that's something that with this you know the the, the whole um mandalorian of it all i'm sorry i said it i did oh uh, i knew it was gonna happen <laughs> but like that's <laughs> it's I, okay we love i don't know if they've done it particularly there's you know uh, people that have worked on it they could probably you know uh let me know in the comments or whatever but i i you, i haven't quite yet seen that i, I want to get somebody in a mocap suit driving a cg character inside of a volume interacting live with a character on the other side of the screen you know being recorded so like whether it's you know an enemy a dragon or just something cute or whatever like that would be cool like the technology is there you can live link into end display you can you know put an xn suit in there and, and so that's one of the things that i would like to try and push and and take it that next step further because we've got the backgrounds thing down right that's that's all over the place everyone can do uh, an amazing, I mean, not everyone, but everyone can do an amazing looking background and drop it into a camera, set up some tracking and then, um, you know, uh, make a, make a, a nice little uh, featurette. But uh, I want to start to see what it looks like to now incorporate like not, not just, you know, characters, but like UI, right? Heads up displays and things like that. How do we display that on a volume and, and have characters interact with the screen a little bit more in you know, like out live, you know, how do we take that? Some of the more traditional things that you're like, oh, well that now it goes to post, right? Let's continue to take post and put it into now and, mm -hmm. um, and see how to push that a little bit farther. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, becoming more almost like theater than 
than traditional yeah. production where you're actually in there doing it live you maybe even you, know, you do often have happy accidents happening there more that you end up keeping because like well we wouldn't have necessarily done it that way but kind of like it Let's yeah keep it totally in. i mean how many movies of, of the comedy movies that are improvised half the time they're like we just left it in because it was awesome yeah. so yeah there, that can totally happen and this will like take it away from this controlled thing where it's like you're doing 15 takes and then we you know you, you send it back and then now let's go find our flavor of icing that we like of visual effects to go on top of this and it's like no just let it happen just put it put it on the screen and just let let the chips fall where they may and i think you know and that that's just going to help everybody you know <laughs> it'll, it'll help the 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 creatives be creative and find those moments and it'll help the uh post-production people not to have to version 55 times <laughs> right yeah absolutely yeah it makes it more fun more efficient more cost efficient hopefully everybody's happy yeah it's it's um really fun you know i i, I have had the i said the luck of being able to work in this a bit myself and i i feel the same way and i know being able to like explore 3d graphics in in real time is is making it more fun for me for sure no not having to wait some i remember you know, working on commercials where you'd have to wait for a week because of having a small farm but mm -hmm. also having a lot of mm -hmm. shots and a lot of render layers and things that were like my frame wouldn't come back for a week i couldn't see it for a week yeah. uh, in this world being able to see it immediately and and the quality of it being probably better than that was as well being able to see that in real time yeah it's totally because it, it, it doesn't allow you to make those silly mistakes right like yeah. it, there was there was i was so much risk <laughs> i was the guilty of like i mean even when i was supervising i was making like when i would jump on the box to help my team out because i was like oh we're in the weeds i'm gonna jump in i'm gonna i'll take these 10 shots right and then you miss one checkbox or one render element and things like that and you're like shit i gotta render an entire you know 10 shots yeah. all over again and they're all 1500 frames and so i was the guiltiest of guilty when it came to that kind of stuff and, and then they were like why are we on version 20 and it's like well i missed a checkbox <laughs> but that, this one <laughs> everything's mean, black yeah yes exactly but it, this you you see it in front of you at all times and it's you know it's impossible to uh miss a checkbox really i mean so, yeah yeah is there is there anything in particular that you're really excited about that's coming up or anything that you'd like to see that not seeing at the moment like what do you see is what's what's coming next what's coming next well i mean it, it's the stuff i was talking about is it's bringing that um you know everything bringing the rest of the pipeline into the party with yeah. us in real time here you know like that kind of stuff is going to be super exciting and figuring out how that works or what that looks like you know um i don't know I'm, I'm i'm just hoping to get bought by epic one day that's all <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no well, uh they're on somewhat of a shopping spree they, so dude yeah they're just like let's buy every yeah so um no one day we'll all be it'll either be walmart or epic right um i know which one i'm choosing <laughs> uh yeah it's uh everything excites me right now like i said i've got that spark again you know so it's you know i'm happy to be working in cg um if my family's not I've, i'm <laughs> spending more time glued to this machine nowadays and and even when i'm not getting paid for it i'm just happy to be like doing cool shit and like jumping into vr like a, you know that's another place where i'd like to get 
better ingrained and then you know the, the tools i feel like are getting there um it's still a bit in terms of virtual production um yeah. using it for a, as a tool mm -hmm. yeah because yeah, like i mean like i like i said for, for the uh for the mega grant and for some other for some of the previous uh shows i've been able to jump into the headset load the scene up and you know uh run some cameras uh using the the joystick or the um you know the the handheld thing there but it's it's very i need a tool right i need i need a shoulder mount and I, I need to put this on the top of a shoulder mount in order to get like that actual you know um the camera rig feel of it all because right now it's just very handheld shaky stuff i actually found that if i grip it a certain way i find less shake but you know you still have at this point you have to um pull up a take recorder or sequence recorder and in a separate thing that you outside of the headset and and you know put then put the headset on while you're recording the whole time then do your camera take and then you come back and edit it and i know they're going to make improvements and all that we're giving them this feedback and they're they're listening and they're very interested in pursuit you know pushing it and doing more with it and so but yeah as that, that's another place where i'd like to see it evolve and the the um, and the stuff that Matt, Matt Workman and those types of people are doing with the, the DIY work at home sort of uh, indie style uh, uh, movie making and, and having more tools in that and seeing more growth in that, um, because it is really cool. Like the first time you put the headset on and you pop into a scene that you actually assembled yourself and you can look around and it's like, that's one of those sparking moments where it's like, shit, this is why I got into this industry. You know, this is like, it's mm -hmm. so cool. Even if it's as simple as like, you know, I'm uh, grabbing an HDR, just go to uh, like challenge everybody right now. Like if you haven't done this yet, do this and it will make you so happy. Go to HDR I Haven, grab an H 8K HDR, go to bridge, get a few mega scans in there, make a tiny little scene, but, you know, just assemble some stuff that doesn't take you there's tutorials for all of that, no matter what your level is for uh, Unreal, you can make an HDR, a little assembly of scenes, and then you can turn on the virtual production tools plugin, put a headset on and get inside of your scene. It's just the, the feeling is just amazing. It's like it's holy shit. Like it, even if it's, you know, it's all stuff you stole or borrowed from, you know, freebies. It's like it's really cool to put something together and go, I'm in my creation, you know, so. Super cool. Well, your, your enthusiasm is infectious uh, for me and I'm sure for others as well. It's. Uh, yeah, the, the, that that I got into all of this because I liked making real physical things. And I started making things out of cardboard boxes when I was a kid, and it was mm. amazing how kind of interactive that was. How you could get your hands on it, and then got into CG and loved it, and still do. But I sort of lost a little bit of that because it was a bit abstracted. And now being being able to actually be back in it again and actually do that—that's a a wonderful kind of full circle. And yeah. Being able yeah. to be connected to your to your work and bring play to it and yeah it's really cool totally totally yeah even i mean like the sculpting like there's so many good sculpting tools in vr now too you can get back and actually feel like you feel like you're making something with your hands you know and so removing this flat screen as well as it's treated us over the past 20 or so years like you get it you know sometimes being able to do the go into that third dimension it's it's, it's awesome fantastic well yeah. Yeah, we're kind of at the hour, so you know, I think. Um, so now it's time I, to talk about Gem and the Holograms, right? Like, yes, <laughs> now it's time for the, the serious stuff. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you work on the robot? I did actually. Yeah, I did the rig and a bunch of animation. I think I even lit some shots. Were you lighting on that? 
um, made the robot. And oh, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so we worked on the same bit. There you go. That's yeah. how the industry goes. You can be working on the same thing and not be aware of it. <laughs> totally, totally. And that uh, that was another project, man. That's like, you know, we. I think everyone in the industry has this story where they've they've been on a project. You don't know what it's going to be like when it airs or whatever, but it, it bombed so hard. And so I think everyone's got a story about working on a project that was like a bomb, but it was fun. That was a really yeah. fun experience. You know, like that was one of those. It was like I'm animating this little robot that's like cute and has its own little character and stuff and its ears flop around and stuff like that shit was fun, you know, and who cares if it bombed, man? My kids love it. My wife loved it. We watched it like I think a year or so ago. It's been recently enough. And it was like, I don't know why it did so bad, but I mean, it, you know, whatever. It's campy, but it's fun, you know? Well, you're encouraging me to watch it. I, I hate to admit, I haven't seen it. Haven't but seen it. Uh, Your girls are old enough. They're, they can handle it, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it for them. There you go. I yeah. I, I agree. The same same thing. And you know, I really enjoyed working on that as well. And I think that's that's what this stuff should be about. You know, the end result is amazing, but it's all about the process. You spend so many hours doing the actual work that you should enjoy it. it should, this stuff should be fun. Yeah. If it's not, then totally. something's something's off. And that I I think this this new tech that we're experiencing is a a wonderful way of of breathing yeah. that that life into it. And yeah seeing that a lot of that enthusiasm in in people who are involved in it and yeah yeah so i guess if there's if there's a takeaway from the night that just that's it was, you know did did do i enjoy once upon a time or gem in the holograms as a show not really no fine whatever but did i enjoy working on it yes absolutely every minute like there's you know and that's that's what makes i think great art and great you know uh, a, a happy artist is, is just you know enjoy yourself have fun working on the content no matter what i mean I'm an atheist. I worked on that Bible project with you. I had a fucking blast. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, like it's, I was like, great, whatever. I don't care. It's not the content. It's the, it's the, it's the art, right? It's the project, yep. you know? So yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. That's my tagline. <laughs> Enjoy your work folks. Yes. Yeah. It's important. You spend most of your life doing it. You know, why not? Why not enjoy it? And you can enjoy a lot of things if you put your heart into it and you find things to enjoy about it, but particularly finding that calling and that thing that really speaks to you. And I think uh, I definitely feel lucky. I, I see the same in you that you found something that lights you up. And, uh, and yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a total pleasure. It's always a pleasure hanging out, but a real pleasure getting to do this in this form as well. Um, I hope all the, viewers yeah. and listeners enjoy it too as yeah. much as we have thank you um, for having me i appreciate it greatly like i my i was telling my wife i'm like i can't talk to ed very often because every time and you're the perfect host because every time we talk to each other it's it's two hours easily like i can't, <laughs> I can't end a conversation with this guy so yeah good luck to you with the podcast and everything else it's you're you're doing amazing things thank you i really appreciate that well uh, maybe we can have you back someday and uh yeah, we're going to keep doing this. We'll have another one up in a couple of weeks. And uh, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a total pleasure. And thanks for sharing all of your knowledge and experience and uh, and wisdom with, with everybody. It's a, that's a, a gift, and I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, now I'm going to go back into hiding, you know, like, like I said. <laughs> I'm not... Yeah, yeah.
Um, but yeah, like I, I feel free to hit me up on, uh, you know, LinkedIn or, uh, you know, Instagram or whatever, but like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not out there too much. So, uh, you know, but, but it, thank you for having me. It's good to be able to kind of poke my head out into the public a little bit and pull my head out of the sand. So awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, take him up on it folks. Um, Zoica hiring. So check that out if you're interested and, yeah. um, yeah, Scott's once in 10 years um social appearance i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> we'll be back in 10 years yeah for another podcast <laughs> yeah thanks all scott right. all right thank you cheers everybody. have a nice evening see you soon and uh, to all of you out there see you soon too take care